Welcome to Mi Gente on Air on 100.5 and 790 News Radio WSGW and online WSGW.com. Now, here is your host, Larry Rodarte. Good evening, Mi Gente. Welcome to Mi Gente on Air. I hope everyone is well in the listening audience. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I have a very special show, one that is dear to my heart, and I want to dedicate this show to all those who are over the age of 80, because if you've reached this age, you've done pretty good and have had a long life. You are blessed, so we applaud all those over the age of 80. Do you cherish our elders, those elders in your life that have made such a difference? They are a vast treasure of knowledge, experience, and wisdom. They came before you, and most likely, you are here because of them. Today, I want to acknowledge the long life of my Aunt Maria Adela Diaz Chantaca, also known as Della in the community. And this month, she reached the ripe age of 90 years old. I just feel so blessed to have her in my life and to cherish her and all she has meant to me and my family. So please help me welcome my tia Della to Mi Gente On Air. Hello, tia. Hello, Larry. <laughs> Thank you for having me on air um, for, for this interview. Yes, and I wanted everyone to know, not only on the radio, but on Facebook all month, that you are turning 90 years old, and we feel so blessed. How do you feel <laughs> that you're 90 now? Oh, I feel wonderful, really. Um, other than my leg, you know, but um, I think I'm feeling very well. Well, we want to tell the story of your life here because you have basically lived in the 20th century and the 21st century, and you were born here in Saginaw from migrant parents who came from Mexico, of course. And they migrated into the Laredo border in Texas, stayed a little while in Houston before they were recruited by uh, recruiters to work the fields. And they were kind of told a lie when they first came because they were told that they were fields of gold here in Saginaw and in Michigan. And when they boarded the train... They thought that they were going to a new life, a better life, and they came on a cattle box train in 19, what, 26, 27, and... 1926. 1926, yeah. And they came and they landed in uh, areas outside of Saginaw, such as Charlotte, as well as uh, they came to Mount Pleasant before actually finding uh, their home in Saginaw on Wolf Road. And Aunt Della, where were you actually born? I was born um, on 23rd Street here in Saginaw, and that's what they called it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, the 23rd Street would be in the 1st Ward District, right kind of across yes. from the plant? Right, uh, yes, close to the plant on Washington, off of Washington. And then your family, eventually, they moved, like I said, on Wolf Road, and they lived on the farm. From there. 
Mm-hmm. From there, I was a baby when I moved on Wolf Road. And what memories you have of that time? I know that throughout my lifetime, I've heard of the family farm. My mother, uh, your niece, Anita Diaz, we called her Annie, she talked yeah. about the farm every day of me growing up, pretty much. She had such fond memories. So what do you remember about that Wolf Road farm? Oh, well, at that time, of course, I loved it. It was my home. And... uh we had a lot of fun there and did a lot of chores with Grandpa and Grandma. Yeah. And uh, had a lot of uh, pets. A lot of pets. <laughs> a little dog and goats and chickens and I think everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mom always talked about the, the tomatoes that were growing there. I mean, they had all kinds of vegetables. Oh, yeah. Now, my Aunt Della here, she comes from a brood of 10 children that were born to my Grandpa Sonovio and Grandma Cecilia, and she was the last, la ultima, of those 10 children. <laughs> and along with my Tia Lola, Dolores Comes, who's still here with us, she's 94, they're the last two. And... Um, you know, so I, I wanted to give homage to her today as I still have her here and feel so blessed to have both my tias. Um, you know, my grandfather died almost 50 years ago, and um, since then we've, we've lost them all except for these two women. And I wanted to yeah. ask you, Aunt Della, I wanted to ask you, because I know I've heard in stories that you have told in the past, there was a school, a farmhouse school that you attended. And where was that? And do you recall the name? Uh, that was called Down School, um, Outer Drive, really, the end of Outer Drive. So it was in the Buena Vista Township. The Buena Vista Township, yes. And it was just a, a two-room, one one part was a five, six-year-old, mm-hmm. and the other was for the older kids. Um, up to high uh, high school. And we're talking like you attended there from 1936. You would have been five. And did you, how many years would you say you went there? Um, well, I, we were going there before we moved on 29th Street, too, so that would be, I think I was in the eighth grade. Oh, okay. So, see, we're talking history here. We're talking Saginaw history because we're talking about Downs School, which was a school, farmhouse school, out on Outer Road in Saginaw. We're talking about 29th Street, all that area there, and then, of course, Wolf Road, which is so industrial now with all kinds of businesses here in Saginaw. (laughs) This was where Tia Della, my aunt, uh, originated from, as well as across uh, from the Gray Iron Plant, which was 23rd Street. So there's a, there's a lot of history, and I know, Tia, one of the big things Grandma Cecilia used to do was go around and sell cheese that she would make. It was called uh, cocoque cheese, and yes. she made it from the farm animals, from the cows on the farm, and tell us a little bit about how she would go around and sell it. Well, uh, first of all, my dad used to milk the cows, bring the milk in right away so Mama can use it because it had to be right from the cow. So she separated it, and and, uh, there was a pill called Junket, 
that she used to put in there. And she used to make her cheese in one day, really. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing, but she would wrap them up in like in a little thing. Uh, I don't know what to call it. A little round thing that she made herself out of a little wood that used to stretch. Well, she used to make that and then just wrap them up and put them in her little basket and off we went to sell it mm-hmm. and we walked. Yeah, you walked all around the first ward area uh, from what all I remember. All the way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and, and our, one of the stops was, of course, at the St. Joseph Catholic Church on 6th Street. In, um, I'm sure after church or after the novenas that were held in December, Grandma was selling her cheese then, too. Um, if she had any leftover, but we used to have like a little, she used to have like a little, uh, stop, she would stop here and there to different friends' house. Yeah. And we would, right up to 8th Street, where it was, uh, like a Mexican little town, you know? Mm-hmm. And by the time she, and then from there, we used to go to my sister's house. Um, uh, Kirk. It was at 8th Street. Oh, okay. Dia Cruz's house on 8th yes. Street. Yes, yes. And this is stay there and eat our meal. And, you know, of course, we don't eat, we didn't eat nothing until we got somewhere. And, um, um. How much did she sell the cheese for? Oh, she used to sell it for 10 cents. All that work and then sell it for only 10 cents. All work for 10 cents. <laughs> so that, that meant a lot, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, know, we're talking the that, 30s, right? In the late 30s, yeah. early 40s? Yes, where the money stretched. Yeah, yeah. I, you know. Well, I think a lot of my listeners are maybe out there that, you know, they've heard similar stories of their elders back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, when when times were simpler, I, I would say, and, and they were coming up with ways to make money and uh, many people oh. had farms. And so, I mean, it really it really was a special time for you, I know. And um, I know that you really have been the matriarch in our family that has had the title of good cook, very good cook. And I think most of that you learned from Grandma Cecilia, right? I did, but I'm sure that there's been, there is a lot of good cooks out there. Yes. That learned the cooking from their parents. Yes, but you're being humble, Aunt Della, because, man, she could make some good chicharrones, from the skin, the skins of the, the, the pig, and she made some good caldos, pozole, caldo de res. Right. And, and I know you've always enjoyed cooking, and, and she cooked for many, many entities in the city of Saginaw. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I did. I uh, cooked for many years. Um, I would say like maybe eight years or nine years, maybe more, till I got sick, anyway. Um, and uh, I used to sell for the Board of Education, the telephone company. AT&T. AT, yeah, and AAA. And uh, 
my son and husband used to work at the plant. So I used to make a lot of burritos then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot of cooking from my tia, especially her tamales. She was always known as one of the great tamale makers here in Saginaw. And how many years would you say, tia, did you make tamales? Not tamales, gosh, oh, over 10 years. No, but I mean, sure. I mean, in your lifetime. I mean, you did you make? Oh, them, did you help them, Grandma Cecilia with them? Oh yes, yes. When she used to make um, her masa, I used to uh, take the the masa out. She she would tell me to take the masa out of the mojarete. Uh, yeah, the mojarete. Put it in a pan. Wow. And then she, <clears throat> she you doing it because. She used to kneel on her knees to grind that corn, you know, for the masa. So that was on the metate, right? The metate that metate. she would get on her knees. Yes. And she would yes. use that stone and just crush those corn kernels, the corn kernels. Oh, wow. Very good. Yeah, that that was really the old way of of making tamales. So you went probably from uh, from being very young to way into your eighties of making tamales. That's a long time. Oh, yes, yes, and I learned a lot from her how to put the, the uh, seasoning in there. You know, to give it a taste. How to cut the meat. How to use the. You have to use enough of the uh, oil, you know, lard, to make the masa or it won't come out good, you know. So I learned that from my mother. In fact, she used to always use the pork lard that she used to get from the chicharrones that she used to make. Mm. And she would uh, put that in a crock. She had two crocks. Uh, pans or whatever you call them. And so, so Tia, when we when we have had the tamale taste off, you know, at the Union Civica Mexicana, as well as we would move it over to St. Thomas Aquinas in the township, what do you feel uh-huh. when you see, you know, all these people, over a thousand people come in and buying tamales? Oh, I think that's great, you know, that they have continued to keep the tradition going, the Mexican people, and a lot of other people have learned, you know, and um, that just continues. And they sure love tamales. (laughs) It will continue forever, I think, you know. Yeah, so these Mexican traditions, the Mexican recipes and, and the family ties are at the heart of, of our relationships. And, it, you know, Tia, you've taught me how to make your tamales from scratch using the chili ancho and the chili wajillo pods. And I've yeah. seen you I've seen you make those viralagas and uh, uh-huh. the viejitos, the, you know, the viejitos yeah. were the fungus that grown, grew on the corn. Oh. Um, those, those, they were delicious. Yes. Yeah, so they're, they're considered del- delicacy, right, in Mexico? It, it it was a delicacy, yeah. And the verdolagas, too. Yeah, and that's basically little hogweeds that grow out in, in our yards. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> Especially in the, in the fields, you know, the fields of corn or the fields of whatever, you know, is out there. They have good dirt and they grow, you know, real good out well, I want to let my listening audience know as well that, you know, I, I learned how to cook the patitos uh, from my tia Della. These are the, the deep fried tacos that we cook at the Union Civica Mexicana every Thursday and Friday. And um, she's the one that taught me how to, to make the masa and was probably the first one that put a palote in my hand to, uh, to start rolling out the tortillas that you have to make for those. But I, I want to make a point here um, because the patito has really been the saving grace for the Union Civica Mexicana during this COVID pandemic because as we oh, went yeah. in, when we went into shutdown, you know, we, we didn't have any more rentals for the hall and we had and we didn't have the, the big signature events like Cinco de Mayo, you know, and yet we still had to pay our bills. So really with the sales of the patito, it really was the saving grace during this pandemic. And, and I have to give a little bit of that tribute to my tia Della for teaching me how to make well, those patitos. Thank you, Larry. You did a good job by learning. <laughs> and isn't that something? Because her brother, my grand, my grandfather, Jose Vidias, he was the one of the founding men of the Civica in 1945. And right. the, the organization benefited from his sister's recipes. Isn't that something? Oh, yes. And he would be very proud of you, of <laughs> what you're Thank, Thank you, Thea. Well, when yeah. we're, we're talking about the Civica. Let's talk about, let's go forward a little in your lifetime. Let's talk about the visit with Jimmy Carter back in 19... I want to say seventy-eight. Oh. Now, now, Jimmy, well, he was running. Out. He was running for president at the time, stomping right. in Saginaw, and they came to Saginaw because they uh, were going to broadcast to the nation on the Independence Day of Mexico, and he wanted a tie-in to the Hispanic community because he wanted that vote. Okay. So he came to the Union Civica Make on a twenty-seven fifteen Wadsworth, still there. And it was the uh, the one of the heyday of the Civica's biggest events, and and you were there. Can you tell me, Thea, what do you remember about that day? Well, the first thing I remember was that he told me that somebody had told him that Jimmy Carter was coming. Well, I got excited, you know, and but I didn't know I was going over there. He was the one that told me you better get ready because we're going to go see Jimmy Carter. <laughs> and that's what we did, and I was just so thrilled, you know, and he shook my hand. Yep, we, we have the historic picture right of that. In, right in the eye, and he just, you know, greeted us very well. He's he's a very good man, but, you know, and he made a good president, I think, you know. And he's still with us as well at 94 and age. And still with us. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he's doing a lot of work, you know, to help all the people. And, uh, you know, I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, he's he's very well respected internationally in the world as, you know, a hum- humanitarian Jimmy Carter. Oh, James, James Earl Carter. And, yes. and on that day, they put a sombrero on his head, and they took a lot of pictures, and there was a lot of pictures with the... Um, the his guards, the 
security that was there very much so and <laughs> and they took pictures with the president or the vice president I should say of the Civica we talked about that earlier on another show but from that money that was raised from that event they were able to add on and double the hall at Mm-hmm. 2715 Wadsworth. So the hall that we know today was as a result of that event with the incoming president, Jimmy Carter. So that was really a historic, historic day. Right. So I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad you were there, Tia, so you could tell me that story because I didn't even know that you were there. And then lo and behold, a picture shows up from the Saginaw News and there oh. you were. <laughs> but I remember it real well. He always had that beautiful smile and uh you know he just adored people i guess you know that southern smile and that southern accent he had yeah right right yeah but i really like that smile on his face you know he made everybody look i mean be comfortable with him yeah 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 do you remember dia around that time um i know my tia was married to Jacinto Chentaca, and he was a Michigan Hall of Fame boxing coach. He was a boxer in his younger days, and then he went on to be a coach to many young men here in the area, many young men, and he affected their lives in a positive manner. And behind every good man, they say, is a good woman, and that's where my tia Della comes in as a supporter of the boxing, uh, what was the name of the team that Uncle Jack had? ASL Local 85. Right, right. They helped us a lot. They supported yeah. you, so that that's why the name was named after that that yeah. union. Yes, they they were uh, they were the only ones that really helped us out, and he just helped. They helped us out tremendously, you know. And, and they had, if you if you remember in Carlton, uh, there was a place called the Plantation Bar, and that's yeah. where the gym was until it burned, right? Yes, yes. And we had all our equipment up there, and all that burnt. Mm. So of course, he came to the garage and kept on training those people, those kids. I mean, over here in, in our garage. Yeah. And all those kids became champions. Yeah, the Carter and, brothers, and of oh, course yeah. the Chintaka boys, Danny and Johnny, um, Garza's, Ernie Garza, Rudy Rodriguez. Many of them oh. were uh, Golden Glove champions. So, oh yeah, that was. And you remember their names better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of them were my friends. And uh, yes, I, yes. I really benefited Dia from them because nobody ever picked a fight with me in school because I had the Golden Glove champions as my best friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> well, we're going to go into commercial in a little bit here, uh, but we've got to talk about how you became an uh, infamous boxing judge. Oh, uh, A female judge back in the 70s. Who there was a little controversy, and Mike Diaz stood her ground, and she went on Can to be I a successful judge. What's that? Can I tell the truth? Yes, but we'll be back. Okay. We're coming, going into commercial. We'll be right back here on Mi Gente oh, on okay. Air. 
This is Mihinta on Air on WSGW. You're listening to Be Hinte on Air on WSGW. So we're back. If you really want to honor an elder, ask them about their early years because those years are the ones that they hold dear to their heart and they share with us a lot of great memories. And today I have my tia, my great aunt. She's my great aunt. Her name is Adela Chantaka. We call her Tia Adela. Aunt Della, and she's with me at 90 years of age on WSGW. Isn't that something? And, and I really have to applaud her because she is on social media. She's on Facebook. She's uh, writing comments. She's, you know, posting. And not very many 90-year-olds do that. So, Aunt Della, I applaud you in keeping up with the times. And I... I love it. I know that I know that you spend a lot of time on that Candy Crush too, <laughs> on your iPad. But it's really something that you know. And I, I think back of my mom. You know, my mom passed almost twenty years ago, and that was your niece. But you were the same age. She was actually older than you, and um, yes. she tried to get on social media at the time. I think it was AOL. And she couldn't even get past the clicking. I had to show her how to click on that mouse, and she just couldn't get that. So, uh, you know, you, you're doing a lot better than she was when uh, 20 years ago. But I know if mom was alive today, you and she would be going back and forth and sharing pictures and stories. Yep, you learn from your kids. Yeah. yeah. And so supportive of me. Yes. In everything in my life, you know. Yeah, and I can re- I can remember being a little boy, five years of age, and you you and mom talking in the kitchen, thinking I wasn't listening. I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to all the chismosos of the family, and just oh my god! And you remember everything we yeah. said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the. I, I want to talk a little bit more about your boxing days, especially when you were a judge. You were a judge here in Saginaw County. You went on to um, train uh, using the manuals and then took a state test that certified you to be a judge at many of the uh, boxing um, events across the state of Michigan. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, how it all began, of course, was, yes, I had to go and take tests, you know, for this and everything in, in, you know, over there in Lansing. And I think I went about five times till I was qualified for it. And then, of course, I was put, like, on trial. Yes. And uh, the one that influenced me was the very first judge, female judge. And she said, Della, you're so alert, and you're, you're every time I look at you, you're out there, and you seem to know what's going on, you know. So she says, why don't you go take your test 
uh, and or go to a course, you know, and take your test. And I did. So I I judged many many shows all over, national and state, you know, and of course around here. And uh, I wanted to judge for uh, the Golden Girls here. And I told Betty, I want to judge, you know, over there in my own hometown. Well, I thought it was going to be easy, but it was hard. And uh, because they made it hard for me. When you talk about Betty, are you, is she, was, was she the first female judge? Betty Grable, yes. Betty Grable. Okay. And that was the very first female judge around here. And after her, there was a lot of judges, you know, beside me that went around, you know. And I think we kind of influenced each other, yes. you know. And so, and, uh, so tell me, dear, what do you mean by it was, they made it hard? Well, you saw the article, right? Oh, yes. Okay. I um, would go, of course, you have to have a license to judge anywhere. So I got my license, and the people in Lansing uh, called the, the head guy of the Lions Club, and uh, they when they, when, oh God, when they found out that I was going to judge it, they stopped me dead on for a couple years until I finally decided to get, you know, something going here. I said, that's not right. But they don't want to have a woman judge, you know. Yeah. And of course, it had a lot to do with my being, you know, a uh, female. Uh, yeah. And girl, you know. And uh, they made it hard. And then a few of the men came around, some of the trainers. Yes. And they backed me up. They had to write letters. They had to um, go to the state and tell them, you know, it's not right. you got to get involved, you know. So they did. They did. And I finally, finally got, you know, on the team there. Yeah. Well, your tenacity and your strength to hold your ground and say that you, you know, you were qualified. You should be able to judge, and you did. And you yeah. were really a great example to many uh, that came after you especially oh, the yes. females, yes. Every um, every show that we had, there was a new person that was taking the test, you know, in the program, and they always came up to me and said, well, you really did influence us, you know. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon when I left, there must have been at least 20 female judges around here. Wow. Wow. Well, I remember, I remember the controversy. I remember the, the news articles, but what was most important of all of that in your time as a judge, as well as a supporter of Uncle Jack and his boxing club was that you and Uncle Jack influenced many young men's lives here and you kept them out of trouble. You kept them, you know, out of the streets. I know because many of them were my friends and, uh, you guys really, uh, really helped them in that way, in a positive way. 
Oh, I'm so happy for that. And, you know, we had many, many kids that came. Sometimes we had 20. And boy, was that a job. <laughs> yeah. And, and my dear, she, she, they, they, Uncle Jack actually bought a mobile home, one of the first mobile homes bought here in Saginaw. I think this was way back in the uh, mid 70s. And right. I know that my Thea, you were, you know, this less, just barely five feet tall, right? You're about five feet. I was then five feet. Yeah, <laughs> you've you've shrunk a little now in your in your older, that, older that, age, but she would get behind the wheel of this mobile home and drive these young men and my uncle Jack all around uh, up to Grayling in the winter time, as well as uh, all Frankenmuth. I remember a tournament in Frankenmuth even, and here you are driving this old. Well, at the time it wasn't old; it was a mobile home. Do you remember that? Oh, oh. All over, Larry. It was all over, you know, town here and up to Flint, Ohio, um, Florida. We even used it in Texas. And uh, I really enjoyed it, to tell you the truth, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was just looking through all those big windows. Well, you and uh, Uncle Jack are legendary. You're known for the boxing, Saginaw boxing, and the Golden Gloves, and your participation. Uh, so, you know, kudos to both of you for what you did and what you accomplished here in Saginaw with that. I want to I wanna move on, Tia. I want to move on to when Dolores Huerta came to town. Remember that? And this was in 2010. And I remember the Union Civica Mexicana brought the legendary uh, labor leader, Dolores Huerta. She fought with Cesar Chavez in the 60s and started the farm workers movement. And here she was coming to town. Tell me about how you felt as well as Uncle Jack. Uncle Jack was so, so involved with that. Of course, it meant a lot to him because he came from Texas Mm -hmm. and he knew everything that was going on and that, you know, and uh, Cesar Chavez was for all of us. Yes. Naturally, we were so excited. And uh, we walked all the way from here to Lansing. Can you believe that? I know. I think of that and I'm like, come on, who did they really walk oh, yeah. that far? <laughs> but- Daniel, Daniel was small and Johnny so we took a wagon. We kind of cheated, you know, but we had to because we weren't the only ones, and we knew it was going to be hard, you know, the walking. Yeah, and I remember Dolores Huerta when um, we put out the promo, the posters in Mi Gente magazine, and I took it over to your house. Uh, I was just going to visit like I always do, and I I showed to Uncle Jack he got so excited. I remember him coming in that from the back room into the living oh. room and saying, she's coming, she's coming. Remember how he was asking? She's really coming. He got so excited. Oh, yes, yes. He was really excited. Because he participated. Yeah. He knew exactly what they stood for. He probably oh, participated yeah. in the great yeah. boycott. And I just right. I just remember that yeah. with fond memories. Another thing that he used to do, is uh, uh, if people brought him vegetables over here, a lot of stuff, you know. Well, you know, it was too much for us. Well, he would go to the migrant places around here and 
give them all the food, you know. Mm-hmm. Right? And a lot of pop, I remember, and the water. and He did that all by himself. I, I would just stay home, you know. Well, I remember the night of the Adelante Awards, the very the inaugural Adelante Awards in 2010, and Dolores Huerta was our speaker. And my Aunt Della and Uncle Jack came in with so many other people. I think we had a full house of about 400 people. And you came in, and Uncle Jack wanted to take a picture with her, and we have that. Do you remember that? Oh, oh yes, I do. I have, um, well, I have the picture that you had in the Mm-hmm. I kept those books, you know. Yeah, and it, it was really it was really telling for me because, you know, Uncle Jack and, and of course, you know, my parents and you, you, you came from a generation of, um, you know, migrant families, of migrant workers that yeah. settled here in Saginaw. So, you know, it was really telling to see his reaction, to see your reaction that she was coming because, you know, she did so uh-huh. much, you know, and, and, and because she was a woman— she always kind of took the back seat to Cesar Chavez. You hear much more about Cesar Chavez. But Dolores Huerta, she was an icon, and she is probably one of the most prominent Latino leaders today in our nation. Yeah. I wish I could have been like her. <laughs> well, you, you were, Dia. You were in your own right, in your own way here in, in Saturday. You also stood your ground like she did. You you know, you, you, you basically, you know, went on strike when that happened with you within the boxing uh, industry. You know, they, they also didn't want you to be a judge because you were a woman, you know. Yeah. And so it's kind of uh, the same route, and you are icons in my eyes, both of you, Dolores Huerta and Della Chantaka, because you stood your ground and you fought against injustice. And yeah. my God, the other, there's other instances that I can think of, you know, that do your mm-hmm. life, your long life. And it's it's been glorious. It's been beautiful. It, it has yeah. centered around family and food and history. And oh. just tell me. How do you feel? How do you feel about being ninety years old? How do I feel? I always tell the kids, if it wasn't for my leg, I wouldn't be here. I'd be running around the streets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would, and and it's so nice that you know. Driving you, my car, my new car. Your new um, car. Well, I love being away. You know, I always go visit my sisters and. Remember when I used to visit your mom and and uh, just many people, many friends. But now most of my friends have passed away. And look at me, I'm still here. Yes, yes, but, you are. The Lord. And you know, Thea, you know, you have witnessed so much history. I got to watch the inauguration of President Biden earlier this year in January with my Tia Della. We watched it on her big screen. And I remember saying, hey, Tia, do you know that you have lived through 17 presidents from (laughs) Herbert Hoover? From President Herbert Hoover in 1931 all the way to Joe Biden in 2021. Isn't that something? 17 presidents. Right. Who was your favorite? Um, I think uh, Kennedy, Jack Kennedy. Yeah. He was my favorite, and I cried for a whole week when he passed 
away. Mm-hmm. He was a good president. Him and uh, Bill Clinton. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds I remember mom telling the story of when she, you know, of course, got the news that John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. It was so devastating. And she drove oh, yeah. she drove to her parents' house on 12th Street and found them in front of the TV crying, bawling their eyes out. And that's what oh. that reminds me of you saying it as well. Yes. Well, we really uh, appreciate your memory. I know all of us Diaz family members. We, I've come from a large family. Aunt Della's siblings of of their, all their children were close to over a thousand, probably over a thousand now since our last census in 2013, and predominantly here in the Saginaw area. And I know that I could probably speak for just about all of us that we so appreciate you, Dia. We are so blessed to have you still in our lives. You have been that Dia that we all go to uh, in terms of meeting places at you and Uncle Jack's home and and all, all the girls and, and Johnny and Danielle. And there's just been so much history from even Hosmer oh. Street. When you lived on Hosmer Street over there off of Cumberland, oh and then to Maple Ridge and Carlton. It's just been a glorious time for all of us when we meet at Diadela's house. And I'm so glad. Thank you, Larry, for that compliment. Yes, and, and I, have to, I have to tell everybody, whenever you would go to her house, wherever she was, that was home, you always smelled the great aromas coming from her kitchen. And yeah. if she was making beans or arroz or if she was making enchiladas, I remember you showing me how to make the enchiladas um, with the ch- chili ancho, but making it into, um, remember in Galveston, you did them like in a lasagna style enchilada. Yeah. And, and, right. then, and then you threw them in the, the oven and, and they cooked so well and they were so delicious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Oh, yes, I do. And tell me a little bit about life uh, when you were at Hoyt Park. And I, I want to bring this up because, you know, that Hoyt Park has, has been a big part of everybody's life here in Saginaw. And I know that you just mentioned to me that when you and Uncle Jack first got married, that was one of the places you went to was Hoyt Park. And oh. tell me about the memory that you have in the winters with your playmates, who was my mom and Uncle Fred and Cello, all all of those in your age group oh. at Hoyt Park. Oh, my God. We used to, your dad used to take us over there. Uh, you know, we would slide, you know, on that hill. Yeah. That was fun for me, of course, because coming from the farm, you know, we didn't do much of that in the wintertime. And then in the summer, we used to take our walks and go watch the ball games that were there years ago before, you know, they had them. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You, you know, do you remember the toboggan slides that used to be at Hoyt Park? I did. Yeah. Yes. I remember those, too, in the 70s, and they were those huge oh, toboggan yeah. slides, and oh, I they were so much fun. I remember going down on that toboggan and thinking I was going to hit somebody and hurt him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When when Thea, when Thea refers to my dad, sometimes she gets mixed up with my grandpa. It was actually my grandpa, Joe Diaz, her older brother, oh, yeah. 
who would take them out of Hoyt Park or take them to the dances, you know. Yeah. And uh, my father was Valeriano Rodarte, and my grandfather was Jose Vidias, her brother. So sometimes she still sees, you know, me as uh, her brother's yeah. son, but I'm actually his grandson. So I just wanted to clarify that to the to the to the audience. You know. <laughs> But hey, you Dia, know, I don't, I don't fault you, Thea. You're 90 years old, and and your 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 mind is very sharp still, and that is such a blessing. And your memory is I, still there. I forget, I forget a little bit, but not much, you know. Right, right, and and, and thank that, God for that. That's truly a blessing because not all 90 year olds have that capacity, and. Yes. Maybe yeah. sometimes the eighty year olds don't. And you know, that's just that's just the way it is and, and that's why, you know, I feel comfortable enough to bring you on this show on WSGW to yeah. talk about your life, all the history that you've lived through, you know, from the way back on the farm on Wolf Road all the way to the Kennedy assassination, to the Dolores Huerta meeting, to the J- Jimmy Carter visit to the Civic. I mean, there's just so many things. Yes, and uh, I I didn't, I don't know if I told you about all the boxes that we used to meet in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. George George Foreman and um, name a few. Uh, Muhammad Ali. Oh, my God. We had a show with Muhammad Ali, and I got to judge him. I remember that. I remember that. God, that was so much excitement for me, you know, because he was a big thing. Yeah, um, he was a legend. You know, yes, and I knew, um, oh, God, I can't think of his name, Larry, but um, I used to judge him when he was a little kid. He was from Flint, oh. or Detroit, and... Uh, Oh, I can't think of his name right now. Well, don't feel bad because I I know who you're talking about too, and I can't remember. And I'm in oh, my fifties, yes. so. <laughs> and, and I have to judge him from from teenage up to eighteen or nineteen that he fought, and then he became a champion, and uh, you know, in the the boxing. Yeah, yeah, and I remember the the boxer she's talking about. They went to actually see him and meet with him. In Detroit, um, was it Leon? No, no well, I was thinking Leon Spinks, but no, um, I can't remember Tommy at the Hearn. moment. Tommy, Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns, there, see? The, and, and Mike, Mike, uh, what's his name? Mike, Mike, Mike. I'm not sure, but your memory is better than mine when it comes to the, the, those older boxers. So, oh, I, Mike Tyson. But it was fun, me being with them and joking around with them. And a lot of times you think you're going to be uh, afraid to talk to them. But no, they made you feel like beautiful. You know, they were really nice with all of us. And welcoming, yes, yes. Well, you know, we're coming to the end of the show, Thea. And I just want to thank you so much uh, for being with me here today on Mi Gente On Air, and you have really surprised me through the years with so much love. And I say surprise because I feel so special all the time when I'm in your presence. You've always made me feel loved, 
And I think that's because I was your niece's son and you and her had such a, a beautiful relationship. So, so memorable. And you were like a son. You were like a son. Yeah, we're, thank you. You were like a son for me. And thank you, Larry, for having me on Mi Gente. Mi Gente on air, yes. Yeah, so so I, I just want to tell all of my listeners out there as we go out that you really, if you have an elder in your life, Take the time, spend the time, hold their hand. I always go over to my tia's house and she relaxes in her recliner and she starts telling me her memories. And it's just a special, special time for me as well as for her to bring back all those times of the past. And we have to cherish yeah. them and know that they are the reason why we're here and we're blessed to have them. So thank you so much. And... I want to thank yeah. my tia. Thank you, tia, for being with me. And we'll see you next week on Mi Gente on Air. Hasta luego. Oh. Okay.